you've spelunked into the Matt Cave. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Matt Cave. Thank you all so much for spelunking on by. This week, I am going to be starting to do a change on how I do the show. So I have finally gotten some great feedback from you all, and it's only taken a couple of years, but you got to me. I I may be a little thick in the head, but I will change eventually. And so the way we're going to do this now is I'm going to have shorter episodes from here on out. And notice how I said episodes. So what that means is moving forward, as events happen, I will record a short show. I'm gonna. The goal is going to be around 30 minutes or less, and that way you can pick and choose which events you want to hear me talk about. So, those two events this week will be my Fire Emblem Engage review. I finally got far enough into the game where I feel comfortable reviewing it, and talking about the NBA All-Star game that happened in my backyard in Salt Lake City, Utah, in the soon-to-be-renamed... Delta Center. Yes, the Delta Center is coming back, but it'll be this summer. So it's not there yet. It's still the weirdly named Vivint Smart Home Arena, and nobody's ever really liked the change of names since it got off of the Delta Center. So let's get into things and dive right in. As always, please rate, review, share, all that good stuff. You know what I need you to do. I want to do this for a living, so let's do it. Let's do it together. All right, so first, let's talk Fire Emblem Engage. So this game came out on the Switch, and it is another Fire Emblem game. So if you've never played a Fire Emblem game, it is a tactical role-playing game. And what you get out of it is a lot of fun, a lot of different decisions to make as far as tactical abilities of your units. You have magic-wielding units. You have shielded units that are tanks. You have... Uh, sword-wielding units, you have rogues, thieves, all of these different things, and it creates your army. There's a couple of ways to play it, and there's no wrong way to play that. Play this game. I'm going to say that right now. There's no wrong way to eat a Snickers. No, to uh, to play Fire Emblem. There's no wrong way to do it. Obviously, there's, there's two main ways. So one way is if a unit dies in combat, that unit stays dead forever. It changes how the story goes. It changes a lot of things. Or you can do it how I do it, and they don't die if they die, or if, you know, they lose combat during the the battle. So if, if they lose in combat, they come back for the next battle. They're always around. That's the way I like to play Fire Emblem. I I I have no problem with how others play Fire Emblem, and they do the the hard I call it hardcore run, where those characters do die it ups the stakes dramatically it makes the game it makes it almost an entirely different game in all honesty and if you have fun playing that more power to you i (laughs) i'm too much of a coward i tend to start to like characters too much and i don't want to see them die so let's get into things a little bit here with fire emblem engage so this is more of it's more of a nod to past Fire Emblem games, more of an anniversary type game, saying this is where we've come from and this is where we're headed in the future. I like it. I think it's a really cool idea. 
the whole engage part is the spirits of past Fire Emblem protagonists uh, reside in rings. And you can equip those rings to different characters on your team. And then throughout the course of the battle, you can activate or engage these rings and have those spirits come out and help you in combat. What they do is they can give you better abilities with a different weapon. They can give you different tactics you can use. And it's really cool. It's a different way of doing it because in the past, to level up your character and to enhance their class, to get them to an advanced class, you just had to use them. And then they would level up their weapon skills on their own or their abilities on their own. And then once you hit a certain level with them, you can then use a master seal. And that master seal basically evolves your characters, if I could use a Pokemon term. It's like using a Firestone on a Growlithe. You evolve your character. In this one, you still can do it. Each unit can can use a Master Seal to go to the advanced class that's immediately related to the class that they start out as. So if you start out as a Noble, you can then go into the Noble's class du jour, and it's different for every character that is a Noble. So there's two Nobles to every house, and or not house, but every kingdom, I should say. House would be for the last Fire Emblem. So for this one, it would be different kingdoms. And then the other characters have a little bit more flexibility in how they can evolve. So that's enough about that. This game is amazing as far as combat goes. It's very smooth. It's easy to understand. It's rock, paper, scissors, you know. Axe beats spear, spear beats sword, sword beats axe. There you go. And then there's stuff on the side as well where uh, fist beats knife and magic, and that's that. So it's really cool. And then if you have a high-armored person, they are weak to a magic user. It's really simple to pick up and just go. So the combat is among the best that I've ever played for Fire Emblem. Where this game lacks, however, is in the story. The story, and this is what... Fire Emblem fans have come to kind of expect from this series of games. It's almost as if the stories are hit in one game, and then the next game it's a miss, and then it's a hit in the next one, and then it's a miss. And you can say this for on the 3DS, I cannot remember the chain of games, but like Fire Emblem Awakening, that was the first one I ever played, got me into the series. One of the best games I've ever played, period, let alone Fire Emblem, and that's for the 3DS. And then the next one was very bleh, blah, not as fun. It was still Fire Emblem, so I still played a lot of it, but it was very blah. And then the one after that was was great. It was the one where it was three different games. I kind of went Pokemon with it, and... You could play the three different games. Each game had its own story. The reason they had to do that is because the game was too big to fit onto a single cartridge if they were to do it that way. So that one happened, and then the next one was meh. And then the next one came out for Switch, and that was Fire Emblem Three Houses, which was a hit. And now we have Engage, where the combat is outstanding, among the best of any of the Fire Emblem games out there. But the actual story is very cookie cutter. It takes no risks. It's, you know, hero wakes up after a long time, doesn't remember his past, doesn't remember his own mother. His mother takes him in, trains him up a little bit. They try they start to get a rapport going. Mother dies, etc. I'm not going to spoil anything else from there, but that's 
you can if you've seen an anime, you kind of know where it's going after that point. You know, it's almost like boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl, girl's not so sure. You know, that's a trope of any rom-com. So, it's the same thing for this Fire Emblem game. That being said, the story didn't stop me from playing the game. It was just enough to keep me, forgive the pun, but keep me engaged to see it through. So, what's your score on this, Matt? Well, if you all remember my scoring, I'll remind you what my scoring system is. I don't do 1 to 5. I don't do 1 to 10. I don't do stars or anything like that. So, my ratings are buy it no matter what. Buy it if you're a fan of the series. Buy it if it's on sale. Avoid it altogether. So, this one is not an avoid it altogether. Absolutely not. It's not a buy it if it's on sale. It is a buy it if you're a fan of the series. So if you're a fan of Fire Emblem games or if you're a fan of like Final Fantasy Tactics or Vanguard Bandits back in the day, you know, those tactical RPGs where it's a grid on a map and you move your units around and you combat that way. If you like that sort of game or if you want to get into that sort of game, this game is for you. I I recommend it strongly for people who are fans of the tactical role-playing game genre. This is not a buy it no matter what. The buy it no matter what for Fire Emblem on Switch is three houses. So, (laughs) Fire Emblem three houses is probably, for me, it's the second best Fire Emblem period after Awakening. And I only say that because Awakening was the one that got me into Fire Emblem. If I were to put them side by side, I would say three houses is slightly better than Awakening. I would. But Awakening has my favorite character in Chrome. So, there is that. Um, but all of this to say, buy it if you're a fan of the series. If you're not a fan of the series and you're looking to jump into a Fire Emblem or to into a tactical RPG sort of game, I would encourage you to look at Fire Emblem Three Houses for the Switch. If you don't have a Switch and you, still, and you have a 3DS, I would say get Fire Emblem Awakening. So there you go. That is my review for Fire Emblem Engage. Buy it if you're a fan of the series. If you're not a fan of the series and you're looking to jump in, there are uh, there are better choices for you. All right. So that is my review. Um, as you have been able to tell through the past couple of episodes as well, I'm not really going to be talking about LCS anymore. LCS doesn't care. They don't want to be bigger. They don't want to grow and expand. They want to kill it off so that they can focus on Valorant. So... I will oblige them. I'm not going to fight a losing battle here. So whatever's happening in the LCS, I'm kind of keeping track, keeping score, but it's not good enough. It's not. Uh, congratulations, FlyQuest, kind of coming out of nowhere with Spica and friends over there. They're undefeated the last I checked, so good for them. 100 Thieves, the team that I'm keeping tabs on just because they have my favorite player in Bjergsen and probably one of the biggest stars in Doublelift on that team. They have two losses, so they're in third place. So there's your LCS roundup. (laughs) TSM's in fifth, by the way, and not looking very good. All right, so let's talk about the All-Star game, shall we? And I'm actually recording this while the All-Star game is going on because, hey, did you watch it? I didn't think so. I did watch the the draft, I guess, because the way the NBA did this All-Star game is they decided to make it more like a pickup game, like people would do, you know, on the playground or in the street or in in a cul-de-sac or what have you, in the gym, what have you. And I like the idea. The execution of the idea is a different issue. I'll get to that in a second. Let's go back to the original idea. So you have two captains, right? 
And then those captains pick teams. What I really liked about it is obviously it was the two players who got the most votes. And of course, that's going to be LeBron because it's LeBron. It would be like Michael Jordan back in the day or even before that, Magic Johnson. So you have LeBron on one side and then you have Giannis on the other, which is kind of unfortunate because he hurt his thumb like a like a week ago, I guess, as 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 I'm recording this, so he can't really play. And um, the production of the introductions of the players, I didn't like it. Uh, the players didn't seem like they liked it all that much. The individual, the individualized introductions, I guess, was kind of cool because the the PA announcer, PA announcer. <laughs> like saying ATM machine, but well, actually no, because it's public address announcer. So it's PAA, right? Okay. So it's not like ATM machine. Never mind. as you were. So the PA announcer did a good job. Whoever wrote, or if he wrote his, his notes for these guys did a good job. He had nicknames, you know, the, he, he announced them as well as he could. It's just, it took so long. There's so many guys I think there's 24 guys that get selected to the All-Star game. And I <laughs> it took forever. And then there were like the dancers everywhere and I had no idea why they were there. And there were fans some fans on part of the court, but then the rest of the court was cordoned off. And so you had that going on. And then the crowd noise was either filtered out or edited weirdly or just non-existent. And so when the players were announced, there was some crowd noise, but it sounded kind of pathetic. And then we got to the starters, and that took even longer than the reserves, and there's double the amount of reserves than there is starters. So it took forever to get to the actual drafting part, and then the draft started, and the first six, uh, I would say six or seven picks took forever. You could tell after about that seventh pick that the producers were in the ear of Ernie Johnson, LeBron, and Giannis saying, all right, guys, we got to pick this up. You can't break down every single pick and why you wanted that guy. You can't do it. So We have a game to play. We have sponsors. We have commercials. Come on now. So it picked up, and you could tell there was a shift. You could tell somebody got in the ear of someone saying, this needs to go. And then the starters happened, and it was just like, I mean, these guys are picking their friends, right? That's it's exactly exactly like on the playground. You pick your friends or if you're the team captain and you know your friends aren't quite the best out there, you pick the best guy and then you pick your friends. That's exactly what happened here. And so the starters were picked and the two time back to back MVP is the second to last pick of the starters. Really? Back to back MVP and he's not going to get picked. So that's a little bit disrespectful. And then Laurie, poor, (laughs) poor Laurie, man. He he was he was voted as a as a reserve, and then Zion Williamson and Steph Curry got injured, so he got inserted into the starting lineup, and he didn't even get to hear his name picked because he was last guy, so everybody knew knew where he was going, and it was just like yeah, that was predictable. I mean, hometown crowd, whatever. I they they don't care, and I watched about the the first quarter. And like even the announcers were saying, you know, this isn't a game until like the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. So I was like, why do we even play the first like three and a half quarters then? What's the point? Just have the game be five minutes 
you know, five to 10 minutes. And then the winner gets that $750,000 to charity, which by the way, brilliant idea by Adam Silver. And I forgive me, I can't remember the president of the NBA Players Association, but brilliant job by them. Brilliant. I, I love that. But it's like when you even when the announcers themselves admit that this game is not really a game until the very end, give me a break, man. And it's just like you want crowd noise, but hey, there's one guy that the crowd really knows, and that's Laurie and Donovan Mitchell too. Kudos to the Jazz fans, by the way. Kudos to you guys. That was a very warm and very loud welcome for Donovan. I'm proud of you for not holding a grudge or anything or any like misconceived whatever that could have happened. Good job. He he got the second loudest ovation after Laurie. And I was very I was actually kind of proud. So good job there. Um the announcers did what announcers are supposed to do. They said thank you to the city of Salt Lake and the people of Utah. You were great hosts. We loved our time here. You're supposed to say that. You're not going to go into a city and say, wow, you guys suck. This place is boring. We're never coming back. Especially when it's a city that has a team in it, right? You can say that if you go to, like, Montreal. Like, you you go to Montreal, there's no NBA team there, and it was not a really warm welcome. You can say that because there's never going to be a team there. But there's a team in Salt Lake City, Utah. There's a team that could be a real, you know, a, a mainstay of the NBA in the next few years for years to come. You don't really want to alienate, and so you, you tell the guys, be nice, okay? This is the last day you're going to be here, and then you're gone. Just be nice. And that's what everybody's, everybody was saying. Even LeBron was saying it. Giannis was saying it. it they they are politicians. They, they know what they're doing. And I don't know. I guess I'm just jaded, right? So... Maybe I'm just seeing the negative side of it. Maybe it really was a great time. All of those guys really enjoyed what they were doing. I'm a little more jaded. I've lived here my entire life. I know how boring it can be. I know the city shuts down at 8 p.m. local time. I know. So you don't have to lie. I know that compared to other cities, the liquor content is more like water than it is elsewhere. I know. But, you know, I, the people are nice. So, I, I I don't know. So, all of that to say, this draft was a great idea, and it was poorly executed. And, by the way, I feel bad for whoever was in the truck during the draft, because they allowed hot mics on Kenny, Chuck, and Shaq during the draft, and nobody was shutting them off. It was very embarrassing. It was, and my my sister, who is not into broadcasting, who hasn't gone to school for it like I have, even she knew. She was like, this is like back when I was in junior high and we had those TV things, like those news things every morning. I was like, oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. It was like that, where it was just random voices popping up that should never have been there. Or like a stage play in junior high where there were hot mics that shouldn't have been hot. Like, that's exactly what it was. So I feel bad for the person in the truck, man. <laughs> Whoever that was has certainly already gotten a talking to about it, and will have to work their way back from that. But the game itself is not a game. It's a pickup game. It's no defense. Like, it's not professional basketball. It's these guys just showing off, like as is their right. They are the best in the world to do it. 
you know, minus two or three players because they're injured. But other than that, I don't like all-star games. I never have. I don't know if I've ever told you guys this, but the Pro Bowl, the MLB all-star game, NBA all-star game, I don't like it. What I do like is what MLS does with their all-stars, and now they've combined with Liga Mexico, and though they put their best players together and then they play against the best clubs in the world. Like they've played against Bayern Munich, they played against Arsenal, Manchester City, Manchester United. They played against all these teams. Paris Saint-Germain, I believe they played against. So that's really cool. I like that. Unfortunately for the other major leagues in the United States, they are the best league in the world, so they can't do that. And I don't know if the players would be game for any of that because they don't want to try during the All-Star break. That's their vacate that's their mid-year vacation. That's their summer vacation, right? So, I don't know. There's just it's uh, they're not games. Like I like what the NFL did this year with like the skills competitions. I like the skills competitions if the best play in them. The Jazz won the skills competition. Great against Team Giannis and Team Rookie. That's the, those aren't the best, right? I mean, and not even the best Jazz player was involved in that. That was Laurie Markin who's the best Jazz player, and it was Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, and Walker Kessler. Like, those were the guys that were representing the Jazz. And they won. More power to them. Great. Good showing for the local side. But if you don't have the best doing it, it's like what's happened to the dunk competition, right? You don't have the best players doing it. You don't have Michael Jordan. You don't have Dr. J, Dominique Wilkins, uh, Deion, Do- Deion Dawkins, I believe his name was, uh, Dark Chocolate. Like, those guys were doing the dunk competition. And we even, even in my lifetime, uh, Dwight Howard was in it, Vince Carter. Those guys, best in the NBA, but they're also in the dunk competition. And now we get who? A guy who was in the G League until a week ago wins it all. A great story, but let's be real. If he was dunking against John Morant, John Morant's beating him. But John Morant didn't want to do it. So all of this to say... I don't like all-star game activities. I think having fans vote for starters, for captains or whatever, is not indicative of how this season's actually going. I mean, I love LeBron. You all know I love LeBron, but his team is in 13th place in the West right now. He's not having the greatest of seasons. And... The guy who is the back-to-back MVP whose team is in first place in the tougher conference by a couple of games, no less, gets picked second last. That's... I've, it's a popularity contest at that point, and I, it's not a meritocracy like it should be. Like the all-pro teams should be. It should be a meritocracy. But it's not. It's a popularity contest, and it's politics. So that's where that's where it ended up. I don't know the final score of the game. I don't even know what the score of the game is right now. I'm not watching. I couldn't care less. I think it's cool that the game was in Salt Lake City. I think it's awesome the way that Ryan Smith, the owner of the Jazz, laid everything out for everyone and how Adam Silver came in and said he loved the city of Salt Lake. And I love how none of the players said the city of Utah. I really appreciate that as well, Mike Conley. I'm never going to let him live that down because Mike Conley is one of the greatest guys in the NBA. It was just a very funny tweet that he didn't proofread before he sent when he was traded here. So 
that's just a, it's not me being vitriolic. It's just funny to me that that happened. So all of the guys said city of Salt Lake. They also said the state of Utah. So they got that right, which as a local here means a lot. And the rest of the season will go on. Hopefully the Jazz lose out so they can get a better position in the lottery. And yeah, that's my review of Fire Emblem Engage and of the NBA All-Star Weekend, I guess you could say. Uh, last note about it, it was really cool seeing Damian Lillard wear his Weber State jersey. If any of you are unaware, Weber State is in the state of Utah. It's in the very far north, above Utah State, actually. And yeah, they're there. They play Division II football. It's actually where the defensive coordinator of BYU used to coach. And they used to be a mainstay in the NCAA tournament, believe it or not. They actually made a deep run to the Sweet 16 in my youth, which was really cool. But, yeah, I just wanted to shout that out. Damian Lillard is an awesome dude. He does a lot of great stuff. Uh, I'm not a fan of the kind of music he makes, but he has a lot of people who love it. And more power to him for being good, great at that, too. So, I just wanted to give him a shout out as well. So, that is the episode this week, everybody. Like I said, I'm keeping it short. I'm trying to try new things here with the advice that's been given to me. And we'll see how it goes. This first one was probably a little bit more rough than my shows in the past, but I will get used to this. I will not try to drone on and on like I have been prone to do in the past. So that's the show this week, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Next week, it'll be another short one. If something happens during the week that catches my attention, maybe you'll see a pop-up show there. Also, head on over to my YouTube. I've started uploading my shows on YouTube, as well as cutting bits and pieces and creating different sort of like, I don't want to say SportsCenter-esque because they're not nearly that good, but something, uh, me trying to do something like that, where there's pictures moving underneath my words, So go check that out. Just search the Matt Cave Podcast, all one word on YouTube. You'll find me and subscribe there as well. So again, thank you all so much for listening. And I'll see you all next week when we spelunk back into the Matt Cave. Man, BYU men's basketball just has completely fallen apart. I I hope Mark Pope stays.